Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Kimberly Rodriguez-Riedel, and it's an honor to share God's word with you today. And the first thing I want to do is wish every mom um, here a happy Mother's Day. And today, as we talk about community, I would like to make a tribute to the architects and the builders of families and our communities. All of the women who are mothers in the traditional sense of the word, the PTA moms and the soccer moms, but also to those who are grandmothers raising the second generation, the stepmothers, the aunties, the adopted moms, the moms who have lost children, the moms who wish their moms were still here to celebrate Mother's Day, the moms who are estranged from their children. Today we recognize all of the ways you have invested in the lives of your children, your husbands, your families. It's a, it's a blessing. It's a, excuse me, it is a thankless job. Changing diapers, washing dishes, but so rewarding. I would like to pray a blessing over all the mothers this morning. Lord, today as we take time to honor the moms, just as you told us to do in the Ten Commandments, we thank you for each one, every mom, every grandma, every aunt, every stepmom, those who are still living and those who have gone ahead of us. Bless each mom who has loved and cared and nurtured and sacrificed and taught their children. Comfort those who are grieving the loss of a child. Bring hope to those who are estranged from their children. Give them wisdom and patience. Bless them with health and prosper them in every area of their lives. Give them strong marriages and a rich spiritual legacy to hand down to their children and their grandchildren. May their lives be marked by faith, hope, and love. May they find joy even in the difficulties. In the sweet name of Jesus, amen. I'm so glad that you're here today. And I, I've this message that I'm going to share with you, kingdom community building. And the first thing that I want to say is that we are so thrilled that you are here today as we um, continue this sermon series, Faith and Culture. If this is your first time here, Welcome. We hope you feel loved and accepted. And in case you don't know it, we are on a mission from God to love the world one person at a time. And the way, yes, that's right. And the way that we, that, that our vision for this church, our vision is that we are trying to create passionate, world changers for Jesus Christ. So every sermon, everything that we do is with that vision in mind. We want you guys to be passionate, world changers for Jesus. And so <clears throat> today as we talk about faith and culture, you know, I just love, um, I, I just want to mention to you guys that, you know, that, um, that, thing that Jeremy put together in the introduction. You know, I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to it, and I heard, I heard Martin Luther King's voice, 
free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we're free at last. And, and, and as I heard his voice, you know, and I, and I think about the way that he changed culture, the way he stood courageously against social injustice. And when I think about the man that he was named after, Martin Luther King, he was a man who stood against corruption in a religious institution. And through him, the Protestant Reformation began. When people of God, when people of faith use the gifts that God's given him, like King, when, when I think of King, yeah, he wasn't a perfect man, but you know what? That man used the gifts that he had to rally people and to incite the people to peaceful demonstration and to prayer, but to stand courageously and boldly against injustice. And those kind of people inspire me. And that's the kind of person that I wanna be. And that's the kind of person that I hope that you all wanna be, that we can make a difference in this world. You know, this isn't in my notes and I'm kicking over my water, but um, I had the opportunity, it's really interesting, in this last week, I had the opportunity to go to two gatherings. One was called Love Justice, and the other one was called Love Life. Go figure, Love Justice, Love Life. And, and the thing about these two particular meetings is that I felt so, I felt so inspired and, and so emboldened that it is time for us as the people of God to rise up. You know, and this love justice ministry, they are making a difference against human trafficking. And you know, when I think about children being trafficked, when I think about that, it breaks my heart. And you know why? Because it breaks the heart of God. And if we don't do something about it, who's gonna do something about it? And so it is my desire at this time, as we look around us and we see that our community and our nation, it's falling apart, our, our, our culture is sick. It's time for the Christians it's time for the people of God to arise and to shine and to make a difference. Love Life is a ministry that, that is trying to rescue children who would be aborted. It, it, they, they, they're standing for life and, and they're offering solutions. They're offering healing to those who have had an abortion. They're offering a placement for adoption for those who are uh, uh, bold enough to keep their daughter, their, their children, but, but need, but feel like they can't raise them. These kind of ministries are making a difference in our world. And so today it is my goal that as we unpack this, when, as we unpack this, this, this idea, what, what I am interested in is I'm interested that the faith culture and the kingdom culture that we are establishing here is marching forward into the culture and it's making a difference in the culture. It's changing hearts, it's changing lives, and it's changing our culture. You know, I don't, I don't know, it, 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 some of you are young, you know, but, but I, 
the stuff that I've been reading and that I've been listening to, when I, when I look at our culture, man, for the last 70 years, our culture has been in a downward spiral. We, we, we were a, a culture in the, probably in the 50s that had family values and morals, but I don't know, you know, the love and the sex revolution came in and boom, it's like downward spiral into greedy, materialistic, selfish country. And it, it breaks my heart. But guess what? We are here and I believe that God is raising us up to make a difference, to change our culture. Yeah, yeah. and so today, today as I share my heart with you, I, you know, there's, just a, there's a couple of things that I just wanna share with you, you know, that um, I had an opportunity um, I'm excited about this because, you know, um, it probably back in 2010, somewhere around there, I had a chance to go to Costa Rica. And we're actually going to Costa Rica in, in, at the end of June this year. And we're taking a team of like 18 people, super excited as we're praying and preparing for that. But anyway, so I'm here in Costa Rica and I'm at the YWAM base, Youth with a, a Mission, and they have this bookshelf at the base, and I had some free time, so I'm perusing the bookshelf, and all of a sudden, I see this book, and it captures my attention, and, and it's called The Book That Transforms Nations, and I thought, whoa, like, that sounds like an interesting book. I think I might want to read that, and I grabbed that thing, and I opened it, and within the first few pages, I was weeping because of what it said inside that book. It talked about how God's word, the Bible, God's word, his rhema word spoken to people has the capacity to transform a nation. How many of you believe that? Amen. And I'm gonna tell you something. I know that that book, it transformed my life. I know when I began to read it and I began to look for ways to apply it, that that book, it changed me because it's the very word of God. It's God's word that transforms our lives. And when we, when we take his word and we, we value it and when we look inside of it and we see the holiness of God and the beauty of God and the majesty of God and we see how his love was poured out on the cross through Jesus Christ, when we look at that book and when we are in awe of the way that Jesus lived his life and we allow that book to change us, we allow that book to align our values with his values, our character with his value, when we weep what causes his heart to break, and when we love what he loves, it changes us. And when we're changed, then we become change agents in our culture. And so that's what we're talking about here today. And so... I just wanted to read this quote from that book, the book that transforms nations. It says, the word of God is a supernatural thing. With the power of God directing its course throughout time, it has transformed lives, cultures, and the world. It still do does both in small and large ways. And when a culture is exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, two things happen. It is transformed 
to the core, and those who introduce the good news align themselves with the will of God. God, your will be done, not mine. You know, a um, long time ago, back in the 80s, in the ancient days, I was going to San Diego State University, and I became fascinated by cultural anthropology. I took three classes, I did really well in them because it was just, uh, there was something in me, there was something in me that connected to that coursework, cultural anthropology, and so I've studied culture. And the thing is, you do not recognize the power that culture has over your life until you're challenged with a different culture. And, and that's what I realized, you know, it's like, um, culture is this invisible thing that operates in our lives, it operates in a community, it operates, we don't even recognize it until someone challenges our beliefs. And so I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about culture this morning. Um, because you know, culture is, it, it, it can be you know, as different as someone who lives in another country, you know, that, and they have a different culture. They have a different way of talking, a different way of eating. That, when we talk about culture, we, we talk about you know, values, we talk about you know, uh, food, we talk about these d traditions that people have, even religious ideas and all that. But you know, there's even like regional culture, like how many of you heard of Southern hospitality, you know? Down in the South, you know, they're, they're known for being hospitable, right? Or um, uh, how many of you have heard about, how many of you actually made fun of, you know, like can Canadian politeness? Because they say, I'm sorry about everything, you know? And, and, and you know, there's, so there's, there's like regional culture, you know, then there's subcultures, right? And, um, and then again, show me a, a Southern Californian that doesn't love Mexican food, right? I mean, I, I don't know, too, I mean, there might be a few, but, and why? Because, you know, man, we're, 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 you know, we border Mexico and, and the food is just good, you gotta admit it, right? And so, yeah, and I know one in, in particular who loves tacos. So let's look at the definition, de definition of culture. Um, culture is an, a unique system that includes knowledge, beliefs, values, laws, weapons, tools, art, language, symbols, and other forms of communication, customs, distinctive group patterns and relationships, and any capabilities or habits acquired by one member of a certain group and transmitted from one generation to another, culture is largely hidden from and invisible to the people within the system. It is like air. We do not notice it until it's gone. And so why am I giving you this lofty educational um, definition of culture? It's because I believe that God is inviting us to change. First, he's inviting us to become a culture, a kingdom culture. And then he's inviting us to, um, to affect the culture around us. Um, 
We began this faith and culture series with an open, with an open and honest conversation about sex and the unfortunate silence as well as the negative view the church has presented to the culture at large. The culture has filled the void using music, movies, and social media to teach our kids about sex. And unfortunately, they're learning from the wrong teachers. So, so why is it we're doing this, this uh, sermon series on faith and culture? Because we're asking God, what is your culture? What is the kingdom culture? What is near and dear to your heart? What are the customs and the values? What are the things that you want us to show to the people in, in the culture at large? And I believe that God is inviting us to be saturated with the king, his kingdom culture, a culture of loving relationships with him and others, of strong, healthy families, a life built on truth, which comes from God's word, not some, my truth, your truth. A culture defined by the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. A culture of grace and honor and faithfulness, and I could go on. It's the culture that we see demonstrated in the character of God, and, and it's shown in his word. You know, after we talked about sex, um, the next week we talked about different ways of overcoming doubt, and you know, even the great John the Baptist, he struggled with doubt, and, and doubt comes to us when we, when we go sometimes through difficult circumstances. I mean, he was facing being killed, and so, you know, it's very common to face doubt when we're going through those kinds of things. And last week, we uncovered God's truth about our bodies. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, the, God, uh, the scripture says. God knit us together in, in our mother's womb, we are his masterpiece, and our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. So where are you getting your ideas, your values? Are you getting it from the culture? Are you getting it from social media? Or are you getting your culture and your values from God who created you, who loves you? If you miss any of these message, messages, go ahead and check it out on our YouTube channel or Facebook. Um, you can also look for it in our Journey app if you're interested um, about any of those messages. <clears throat> this week, we will look at, a significant, at the significant ways belonging, the significant ways belonging to a faith community can fill our lives with opportunities to love passionately, to develop a purposeful prayer life, to use our gifts as a blessing to others, and to experience healing. So that the church will be built up, and the lost will be found, and God will be glorified, and our culture will be changed. Amen. Sorry, I'm talking too much. Mm. You know, in community, find encouragement 
accountability, hope, longevity. Living in community is the antidote to isolation, loneliness, depression, and feeling disconnected. And so, um, you know, it's interesting. I was, I remember hearing this, uh, hearing this, this message and they were talking, they were actually interviewing like centurions, people who'd lived to a hundred years. And they're like, what is it? How is it that you're, you know, you live so long and um, listen to this, listen to this counsel. I, I think it's, it's really good counsel. Um, five healthy habits for a long life. Here you go. Maintain a healthy diet. Take care of the quality of your sleep. Exercise and take care of your body and mind. Cultivate, here it is, a constructive tribe. Keep a positive outlook and practice gratitude. Enjoy your free time, especially in nature. Laugh often. So there you go. But the thing that I really wanted to focus on is cultivate a constructive tribe. The people, people who live in community, who have positive people around them, are the people who live a long time. Because their life, it, it just feels fuller and it more, more full of, of purpose and connection. Okay. So now today we're going to shift our attention to community. And this is the definition of community. is a network of human relationships. It is a major functioning unit in society. It is the place where our home is located, children are educated, sick people are treated, and individuals' basic needs and desires are met. No man is an island. From the time of birth until death, all, Norman, all normal human beings are part of a group, the family, or community. So let's talk about a kingdom community. You know, as we, as we look at um, society, we can see, you know, different kinds of communities, right? Um, the way a community is built is by choosing someone or something to rally around. Maybe it's a sport or a hobby, like soccer or football, sailing, snowboarding. Maybe it's a cause, like endangered spe- the endangered species, um, whales, or like mad mothers against drunk driving. The kind of community that we are forming places the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at front and center. It's a community overflowing with the love of God. It is defined by his word. It's a community of prayer and worship and fellowship. That is the kind of community that we are trying to create here with the church at large, but also in our community groups. So let's finally get to God's word, which um, first we're going to look at John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, this is what Jesus says to his disciples. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay, one, lay down one's life for his friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. I call this a love sandwich. Starts with love, it ends with love. And then there's some stuff in between. So we're gonna use this scripture to talk about um, what a kind of a community, a faith community we're trying to build. If we look at Jesus and his ministry, we see a lifestyle characterized by love and community. He came to display the Father's love by his actions. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He fed 5,000 and he taught people because of the great love that he had for them. He became friends with a group of guys that he called his 12 disciples and he walked with them. He ate with them. He taught them. He generously shared his life with them and ultimately he laid his life down for them. He chose them to bear fruit, to give away what he had given them. He charged them to pray for others and to love each, love each other. And love is an action. It looks like something. It's a kind word or deed. It's a powerful prayer or a shoulder to cry on. A long hug, a gentle touch, an encouraging word. It's a listening ear. It's a drink of cold water or a hospital visit. It's a warm smile. It's a tasty meal or some wise advice. Love looks like something. It's an action. Our first takeaway from this portion of scripture is this. A faith community should be a place where love is expressed, expressed, friendships are forged, and prayer is a priority. So that's our first takeaway from this John message. Love is expressed in community. We're here today to express love to each other. When we gather in our community groups, it's to, it's to show some kind of loving act toward each other. Listen, <clears throat> um, you know, in our, in our culture, in, in the church culture these days and age, in this day and age, in our church, church culture, a lot of times the way it works is we see each other on Sundays and we talk for five minutes over coffee. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. How the wife and kids, blah, blah, blah. See you next week. God bless you. And then we're on. To, to, you know, to live our lives, uh, our busy lives, because we have a lot of important things to do during the week. But I, I believe, I believe that we're going to see today that God is inviting us into something much richer and much fuller than just seeing each other on Sunday mornings. Okay, on to our next point. <clears throat> 
As we look at the next section of scripture, we are reminded that prayer and love are essential aspects for gathering. But let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to look at 8 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should serve with the strength that God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And so as we look at this passion, as, as we look at this portion of scripture, you know, I, I love the way um, the Passion Translation starts this section. It says, since we are approaching the end of all things, be intentional and purposeful and self-controlled so that you can be given to prayer. Given to prayer. And you know, as I think about that, I think about, you know, through my life, how, you know, I didn't, I, when I was a young, when I was a young believer, I didn't spend a lot of time praying. But I feel like, you know, now, you know, as I'm a little bit older, I've, um, I've really discovered the value and the power of prayer. And it's the thing I go to and before going to the doctor, before doing other things, I go to prayer. And, and I think um, God is inviting us to be an intentional, powerful, prayerful community. Um, Sorry, I lost my spot. <laughs> you know, I love that expression. Above all, love each other deeply. I don't know about you, but that really moves my heart. It's like, we're not talking about love each other casually, deeply. And the way that you love someone deeply is that you are in community with them. You have a relationship with them. And, and, and God is inviting us to a place of loving one another deeply, you know? And, and, and I, I, obviously we see that kind of love, you know, expressed hopefully in our families. Some of us maybe didn't experience that in our families. But really, a family should be a place where, you know, love is expressed deeply. And, and I believe it's true of God's family. And then it says, when we love each other deeply, that it, that love, it covers a multitude of sins. And you know, as, because we're celebrating um, Mother's Day today, um, you know, mothers know that kind of love. Even though their children, you know, they, they blow it, they make mistakes, 
Their love for their children helps them to overlook their weaknesses. And, and they, mothers just show that deep kind of love that covers over the sins. You know, it covers over the sins. She knows all the child has been through, and her motherly love covers over all that immaturity. Um, you know, many moms, this section of the scripture tells us that we should offer hospitality. And, and moms are created in God's image in such a way that they create homes where people feel welcome and it's a warm place, it's a safe place. And, and, and lots of moms, there's so many gifted women who have that ability to offer hospitality, whether it's a, a, a warm, hot, you know, fresh out of the oven baked cookies, you know, or, or you know, a, a, a glass of chocolate milk, whatever it is, lots of women have that gift of hospitality. And, and here, God is telling us, he wants his people to be hospitable, you know, um, and, uh, and I love um, my mom. My mom is that kind of a mom, you know. She, my mom is so hospitable. Actually, both my parents were very hospitable. And, it, it, and my brother, my brother too, he's really super hospitable. And I, I think it's, um, it's a gift from God, you know, to have that. And I know some people are really good at it, you know. They, and some people, you know, not as good at, as, at it. But... Um, God is inviting us to be hospitable. And you know, it was interesting. When I was a, um, when I was a young Christian, I would um, go to another town and, um, and I'd go to a conference or something. And instead of getting a hotel room, you know, at the Best Western, the people of God would actually open their homes and they would say, oh, you're going to have hospitality over there in this family's home. And you're going to go to this family because all the people in the church opened their homes to all the visitors that were coming. And that was so interesting to me to go into these different people. They were strangers. They didn't even know me from Adam, but they welcomed me into their homes. And I got to share and see how, you know, see how their life is. And I better move right along because I see the worship team is moving. <laughs> Um, so let's get down to the good stuff. Our second takeaway is that a community of faith loves each other deeply, offers hospitality, and uses our spiritual gifts to serve one another. I love this section of scripture in Acts chapter 2. And I want to go over it with you. And I love the title when I, looked, when I looked this section up. The title says, The Believers Form a Community. Now listen to how they form their community. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, 
and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And this is what I believe that God is saying to us today. He's inviting us into that kind of community. He's inviting us into that kind of lifestyle. He's inviting us into a community, a kingdom community. And, and when you look at that, I go, imagine. Can you imagine being part of that community? The early church consisted of a community of faith that wasn't just, they weren't just casual acquaintances but people who shared their hearts, their lives, they studied scripture, and they lived in awe of God's miraculous signs and wonders, praying, living in unity, worshiping, having communion, eating meals together. What an atmosphere of joy and generosity. This is what I call a contagious community. The Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Why? Because when people see that kind of a community, a vibrant, healthy, joyful community that's living their lives together, they're breaking bread, they're having communion, it's like, wow, I want to be part of that. They have, they have something that I need. And I believe that God is inviting us into this kind of a, of a community. That that's what he wants to, to develop here at this church and in our community groups. Our third takeaway is that our community of faith shares their lives with each other, studies scripture together, and worships joyfully, among other things. But we'll just stick with those three for now. And finally, our community of faith is a healing community. In Galatians 2, in Galatians 6, 2, it says, share each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Think about it. When we share each other's burdens, it's like it lightens the load. You know, we comfort each other. When people are going through hard things, I know there are people who've lost loved ones, and, and that is so painful, but when you have someone walking with you, praying for you, giving you hugs, letting you know, hey, I know, you know, hey, you wanna come over, you know, and um, you wanna go for coffee, you know? When we walk together and we share our burdens with each other, it lightens the load, Amen. you know? And in this last section of scripture in James chapter five, Verse 3, it says, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? Sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with the oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And so finally, our prayer community should be a healing community. 
If you're sick, we have a prayer team back there who would love to pray for you. And I'm not just talking about, you know, like if you're physically sick, but sometimes we're heart sick. Sometimes, you know, our hearts are broken. Sometimes, you know, emotionally, mentally. Take advantage of the prayer team. Take advantage of the prayer cards. We have pastors. You can come to me. You can come to Jeff. Um, We have elders, um, the prayer team. There's so many people here that would be happy to pray for you. If you're sick, we lay hands on you for physical healing, for emotional healing, for mental healing. This community is a healing community. And I, I, would, go, I would go on as strong to say that this is a place where you could confess your sins. You know, a long time ago, I used to go and confess my sins to, you know, the, the priest. But here you find a, a safe person and you confess because sometimes when we sin, we're riddled with guilt and we need to, we're carrying it. And we confess our sins in a safe place and we receive forgiveness. Forgiveness is so healing. When we know that we're loved and that we're forgiven, it heals our hearts. And um, so anyway, I need to wrap this up. Um, So if you're happy, praise God. Rejoice in everything. And that produces a joyful, optimistic heart. If you're sick, get prayer. And here's our takeaway from this section of scripture, is that the community of faith carries each other's burdens, heals the sick, and offers forgiveness. You know, Thursday morning I was praying and I was just praying, you know, Lord, what is it you want to say to your people? And as I, was prepare, as I was preparing this message, God brought this thought to my mind, and it was like, it was a football team. And it wasn't like any particular football team, because I'm not really a big fan of anyone. But, um, but anyway, for the sake of this example, I'm going to choose the football team called the New Orleans Saints. After all, anyone who believes in Jesus Christ is the son of God. They, God calls them a saint. Okay? So here we are. Our players have studied the playbook, which in this case is the Bible. They each have a position, and they spend lots of time together working out, running plays, recognizing the gifts and talents of each player, using their strengths for the good of the team. They are a cohesive unit, at least if they want any chance of winning. And they make a play, and they, and they make a play, and they take action. Oh no, they make a play, and the action stops. They gather in a holy huddle, with one purpose and one goal, to get that ball down the field. We can see this as prayer. They don't stay in the huddle. They make a play and advance down the field and the crowd cheers. And I see this as the Lord winning the lost. Because when a team 
when a team wins, they gain notoriety and they increase their fan base. And as a matter of fact, in 2010, the Saints won a Super Bowl. I didn't know that, but I looked it up. And that team became famous and influential. And a winning touchdown, it caused joy and celebration. And we call that worship. (laughs) God is inviting us, his saints, to create a strong, passionate, healthy, loving, praying, serving, healing, worshiping, wonder-working, contagious faith community. What happens when kingdoms clash? What happens when cultures collide? We break out and we break out in war and cultures change. And I believe that in this hour, God is inviting his people to live in awe of his power, of his lordship, his majesty, to be filled with his Holy Spirit, mixed with his word to accomplish profound transformation and that the love of God in in the lives of his people will overflow into their families and communities. And as his kingdom ambassadors, representatives, we will love each other deeply, we will pray and worship passionately, and we will stand for truth and righteousness. We will advance his kingdom, promoting his value for his glory and for his honor and for his renown. And Lord, I just thank you today for your word. May this be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a wonderful word. Thank you, Kim, for that amazing, beautiful, inspired word from the Lord.